welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. In this episode, we step back and look at the backcountry. Why the backcountry? Why is this called the Hunt Backcountry Podcast? Why do we as hunters pursue game in the backcountry? What is it about backcountry hunting that inspires us, that challenges us, and that ultimately in some ways defines us? We talk about these topics and more and appreciate you guys tuning in to join in the conversation. As always, if you have any questions or feedback for us, you can contact us directly to podcast at exomountgear.com via email. And in terms of feedback, we would love to see a review in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. And most importantly, tell a friend. If there's something in here that you find valuable that you can share with others, we would certainly appreciate you guys doing that. Thanks for tuning in. This will be myself and Steve talking about why backcountry. Let's get into it. All right, guys, well, welcome back to the Hunt Backcountry podcast. Uh, as we mentioned on the first episode of 2020, one of the things we wanted to do is kind of get back to our roots. And one of the ways we wanted to do that is this is the Hunt Backcountry podcast is talk about backcountry. Like, what does that mean to us when we say backcountry? What are we talking about? Why do we choose to hunt the backcountry? Why do we name the podcast Hunt Backcountry? So that whole topic. Uh, Steve, do you remember kicking around ideas for the podcast i feel like we settled on this name pretty freaking early <laughs> i don't think there was a whole lot of discussion debate on this yeah. one yeah i think it, was, it came out pretty quick um i liked it it was um yeah simple to the point and i don't yeah i'd love to i would have to go do some research man see if we had like a little google doc with some names we were bouncing around but yeah i yeah i think this one came really fast yeah I feel like it was, it came up and it was done. I remember sitting in the old, like the very first XO offices, the old house um, in downtown Boise and talking about the podcast. And I think that name just came up and I was like, yep, that's it. Let's go. Yeah. 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 Cool. So yeah, the, it's interesting, even from when we started the podcast to now, I think the quote unquote backcountry hunting, um, or for lack of a better term, scene, if you will, has gotten more popular um there's more people pursuing western hunts backpack hunts backcountry hunts that type of thing um which is great it's obviously helped the podcast grow and everything else like that and the more people interested um the better um but it's also one of those things where this term backcountry gets thrown out there maybe it's overused maybe we overuse it because it is part of our name and it's said a lot but as we talk about the backcountry I was really curious to talk a little bit about what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? But then what does it actually mean? And so maybe we did this when we named the podcast, but I just was really curious to look at what is the definition of the word backcountry. And obviously you'll get slight variances depending on where you look. But one of the first ones that comes up, if you Google it, it just says sparsely inhabited rural areas or wilderness. And so this idea of backcountry is, you know, what the name implies just you know, a place that's away from people and a place that's away from development. It could be wilderness with a capital W, meaning like federally designated wilderness areas, or it could just be, you know, wild places. To you, Steve, what does backcountry mean? Like when you think of you, are you a backcountry hunter? Do you hunt the backcountry? What does that mean to you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't get too caught up on on exactly like or I don't get caught up at all. I'm starting to say like, Oh, you have to be a certain distance from this or that or whatever. To me, I think at the core of it, um, 
sparsely inhabited, that part of that definition definitely rings true in that to me, I want to get out and just get away from people. Um, so that's probably definitely part of the equation. And then the, the major one for me is I think backcountry could be anything that is like new to you and scares you a little bit. And by that, I mean, maybe you've never spent a night out on, you know, ever backpacking. And that could literally just mean walking a mile from a major highway and staying the night. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that would be like that would be intimidating for you your first time doing it. So um, I think backcountry is just I said it's anything that's um, go somewhere where you can get away from people, be alone and, and something that. I don't know. It's got to like excite, excite you a little bit and still some fear in you that, wow, I'm, I'm back here. If something goes wrong, uh, you know, I, I need to be planned and, and prepared for it. And um, so I, I think that's kind of, I guess, my definition of it. Hmm. I'm really curious that. So I, I feel the same way in a lot of ways, for sure. And I think that's easier for me because I'm hunting out of state typically i mean there's there are actually some wilderness areas where i live and i can quote unquote do a backcountry style hunt but most of the time when i do a hunt it's out of state and it's a new place or a place i've been to but that is you know remote with you being native in idaho and hunting the quote unquote backcountry in idaho but going back to places you've been before how do you lose that or do you lose that that discomfort that beyond your limits feeling like how do you continue to experience that if you're going back to places you've been before your hunting country you've been before does that make sense yeah absolutely no i think the um it's funny as you were as i finished that and you were starting to talk i was thinking exactly about this of where i uh when i was 18 and i started bow hunting hunting with one of my best friends uh still is to, to, to this day um and uh, we hunted this area up by McCall, Idaho, and and uh, to me, the mountains were huge. It was remote, uh, you know. It was like this new foreign place, and it was big and scary, I guess. Um, and now, uh, going back and hunting there um, over the last few years, I've made a few trips over to that same country, and it's like I feel like I'm day hunting. I feel like it's super easy. Uh, it's you know like the mountains that I thought were huge back then, they're really like, it's like 1200 feet from, from the roads to the tops of the mountains, which is, uh, some of the other areas I hunt. That's, that's pretty dang small country. Um, so it definitely has a way different feeling to me than it did back then. Um, more more like a day hunting, road hunting style, you know, where you can go hike all day and get back down on the road before it it dark and go back to a nice base camp. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think it. I think that's one area. One area why you see, um, or I guess I why I really enjoy just finding new places. Um, I love that. I know a lot of guys could relate to this. Is like, what's over that next ridge? What's over the peak? Um, that little bit of motivation of finding new country is can be a you know can really keep you going when you're up there in the mountains of sitting there and staring over a, see a ridge line, you know, and like, oh, it's going to take me three hours to get over there, but what's on the other side, you know? Um, so I think that, um, that's definitely something it's fun to go back to areas that I've hunted a lot because they're like, it's like a, a homey feeling and it's comfortable. And then I also really enjoy challenging myself and picking new areas. And uh, the last few years I've done that a lot. I've very rarely hunted spots. Um, 
that I've hunted in the past. So just just picking out new spots on the map and and that that becomes part of the challenge now is is you know uh, finding new areas and then go in there and learn the country, figure it out in a matter of a day or two, and and find a way to become successful and come out of there with with meat in the pack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we talk about backcountry hunting, and then obviously uh, we're known for doing that backpack style, if you will. And obviously, we're coming from a pack company and a pack perspective. Do backcountry hunting and backpack hunting mean the same thing to you? Like, is that a hundred percent crossover? Are they something different? Are those terms interchangeable? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, they're pretty similar. Uh, the only thing I could say is it's entirely possible to hunt remote places and do it in a day. Um, you know, I think it's the death hike is proof of just how much country you can cover in a day. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's entirely possible to do some remote hunts. Uh, I'm going to burn a lot of calories and a lot of energy. And if I was going to do something like that, it's that's like a quick 24-hour deal, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. You, you can, you know, hunt remote areas day hunting, you know, because sometimes a remote area legitimately is one mile from a major highway. Just yeah. pick some place that's a crazy, steep, and rocky, nasty climb that no one would ever do and everyone drives right by and – you climb all the way top of that ridge and you get up there and you're alone. And, um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be, I don't, I don't think there's no way you could set a distance on what is backcountry from a road or whatever. It's just wherever people aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, remoteness isn't measured in miles necessarily, right? No. Like you could yeah. be no. six miles deep and not that remote, or you could be, as we just talked about like a mile, maybe you're not remote from quote unquote, civilization or road or what have you but in terms of pressure you're remote and in terms of um animals and their behavior and their habitat you can be pretty remote compared to other hunting areas that are far 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 deeper in miles yeah yeah and then you could clearly hunt the backcountry i think without backpack hunting if you're doing a drop camp or if you're you know using animals horses llamas mules goats whatever you could theoretically be in a very remote backcountry location without backpack hunting, meaning not being self-sufficient of just you in a pack. Um, you could have a backcountry base camp and, you know, as we just talked about, that could be a drive camp. You could be using horses. So there's, I think there's a lot of crossover. Obviously, if we're talking about backpack hunting, you're typically hunting the backcountry. You're not going to go on a backpack hunt and, and not um, cover some miles and put some distance between you and civilization, if you will. But you could also hunt the backcountry and not do that quote unquote backpack style. So for us, clearly, most of the time, um, they're interchangeable, but there's some nuances to that for sure. Yeah. One thing I think is interesting is, as we talked about, you know, this idea and the appeal to it has grown over the years is the, for lack of better terms, the glamour side of it. Like we all have this idea of, being a backcountry hunter, going on a backcountry hunt, being miles away and being self-sufficient and going to some remote place because that's where there's less pressure and either more animals, or maybe not more animals, but bigger animals and solitude and just this whole idea of being self-reliant back there. Um, hopefully a lot of those things are true, but I think the the Instagram version of backcountry hunting and the reality of backcountry hunting can be much different. Uh, what comes to mind, Steve, as you think about like 
the glamour side of backcountry hunting or the maybe the ideals of backcountry hunting versus reality? Like what are some of the things that, that stick out in your mind? Yeah, I think the the first one that jumps to mind when you talk about animals is that yeah, that used to be I mean, that was my initial motivation was just hunting from roads and not experiencing great animal numbers. Um you know, and just running into other hunters. And so I was like, okay, I want to, I want to get away from people. I want to find more animals. So your natural, um, the first thing you do is you pull up a map, you look for an area without roads, uh, that has some trails and that go way back in there. Right. I remember the, the first place I picked out, that's total like classic drive all the way to the end of the dirt road. There's a trailhead hike in there and, and go back as far as I dared and, and hunt. Um, in reality, like everybody else is doing that same thing. So some of those areas aren't going to be very good hunting. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I've, there's so many, I don't think human pressure obviously affects animals, but they live where they want to live in a, in a sense to where, if, um, you can hike through great country that's only a mile from the road and go four miles back there. And it's not may look good, but it doesn't quite have all the ingredients that the animals want and they don't live there. So distance doesn't necessarily mean, um, that you're going to find more animals or better quality animals. A lot of times I think it's the opposite case. So, um, to me, it's, uh, getting back, there's more about the challenge than it is that I think I'm going to find a bigger buck or something like that. Mm -hmm. Would you, one thing that I've been bummed out on is thinking I'm doing something relatively difficult, thinking I'm getting away from people and then running into people. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you prefer to go on a quote unquote backcountry hunt and have fewer animals and, and fewer people or higher populations of animals but maybe run into some people? Like, and there, no. there's no hard and fast yeah. rule here, but like in general, would you be more bummed out by not finding animals or more bummed out by running into people? Like zero question to this answer is, yeah, I'll take less animals all day long if it means I don't run into people. Um, yeah, no, there's no question in my mind on that one. It's, uh, I think, again, um, hunting's become, or I guess is the, the older I get in my wise old years of 35 here, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, I think Lindy and I learned this a lot from our first trip to Alaska where we came from that moose hunt that went crazy bad. Um, is it's, it's so the whole, like the whole cliche of it's, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in hunting to me, it's not, I am not the guy that needs to kill the big buck or bull and, you know, strap that to the cooler in the back of my truck and stick it up high. So everybody on the drive home gets to see it. Right. Like, I like, I don't care about that part. All I care about is the experience. Um, and as I said, the older I the get here, it's like the experience is, is truly what matters. So, um, I want to, uh, you know, just make sure that's as fun as possible and what I want. And, and I know in my experience, um, running into other hunters bums me out and it takes like, it kind of kills the mood of the hunt at times. Uh, or you got a plan and then you're hiking along the ridge and there's other hunters out there in front of you and you're like, oh, crap, you got to turn around and kind of refigure it out. So definitely for me, it's, um, I'd much rather go on a four day hunt and, and, uh, you know, not see any animals or only see a couple and see zero hunters than, than the opposite of that, where maybe I, even if there's a ton of animals and a ton of hunters, I'd still rather go to that other spot. 
So mm-hmm. I definitely focus more and more on the experience now and just making sure that I'm having fun and whatever that is. And that also includes, um, you know, the last few years, like our Kodiak hunt this year, it's not doing backpack style hunts, doing like, you know, just truly like fun, easy hunts. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think it's, it's good to kind of bounce back and forth where you have stay in a trailer or a nice big base camp and sleep in a little bit and, and just, you know, just really enjoy it. I used to kind of there's a period there where I, like anybody who wasn't backpacking or heck even rifle hunters, I was like, ah, they're cheating. They're doing it too easy, you know? And yeah, um, they're soft. And it's come easy. Full circle. Yeah, yeah. They're soft. Yeah. And, you know, our, uh, I was at the store once and, uh, the checkout lady was like ragging on her husband of, he, he always goes hunting, but he never, ever brings home meat, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably one of those dudes that just goes up and like, <laughs> You know, for a week long hunt and drinks every freaking day, oh, and yeah. like maybe gets out once or twice. And I was like, ah, well, worthless POS, you know. And, yeah. and then hindsight, you know what? That, that guy's like, that's probably his favorite week of the year. It's it's his getaway. It's his vacation. Like whatever, you know. Like as long as someone's, um, you know, respectful and and um, out, out there, and that you know that means just like not damaging stuff, you know, obeying the laws, not taking four wheelers off road and things like that. I'm uh, not leaving trash at a campsite. I don't care what you do. Um, yeah. Go enjoy it and have fun. Right. Yeah, for me, it always comes down to the the how is much more important than the what in terms of hunting. Like, what do you kill or yeah. what you don't kill um, is just a far less importance to me than how you do it. And I mean that in a whole bunch of terms. How meaning how you do it ethically. Um, how meaning how you do that in terms of the effort involved sometimes like on a backcountry hunt. But then like you said, Steve, sometimes it's not a high effort hunt. Sometimes it's like a laid back hunt, but the appeal to that is how you do it because on a hunt like that, I want to be with other guys and enjoy it. And that how is still way more important than the what, like what is killed or not killed or what quality is killed at the end of the hunt. That's just like an afterthought to me Yeah. Um, in terms of, how you spend the time to get to that point is, is what's ultimately most important. Yeah. That's that one thing I'd probably do with a little bit more intent the last few years is going into a hunt. I don't know if setting my expectations, but I kind of know what hunt I want this to be. Um, you know, like, uh, Kodiak, we knew that was gonna be fun, laid back. My last, that last elk hunt I went on for 24 hours. Like I knew, I was like, I'm going to freaking kill myself on this. And I was like excited about it, right? Like yeah. the, the route I had planned, I knew it was going to be a 24-hour hunt. If I killed an animal, it was going to be like absolutely brutal to get out of there. So I kind of like that was that was the hunt I wanted, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have a really hard hunt and get after it. Um, so I, I definitely go into a hunt with expectations now versus uh, in years past. It was just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and whatever happened, happened, right? Yeah. Again, though, that's focusing on the experience like what type of experience do i want to have and and make sure that i get that i i love um i love a few solo hunts a year and i love a few hunts a year where i pick really really good friends to go hunt with that that i know we're gonna have a great time so yeah that's cool one of the things about backcountry hunting specifically and about those difficult backcountry hunts that i don't even want to say appeals to me because i don't know that i fully understood it until i was involved with it um is just how demanding it is and i don't mean demanding in like the pack outs hard which is true or demanding 
um, in terms of getting six miles deep to start the hunt can be difficult. That's true. Like there's demands during the hunt, but I would say like the all encompassing demands of hunting the backcountry and really pretty much that being year round demands. So, you know, even in the quote unquote off season, you're looking at opportunity and places and scouting, or you're working on your weaknesses, whatever they might be, whether that's shooting or knowledge or animal behavior, you're looking at gear, um, you know, physical training, the mental aspects of that. Like to me, as I've, as I started backcountry hunting years ago, and then what I've realized about me over that time, over years, is that I've changed as a person in a lot of ways because of backcountry hunting and because of the quote unquote demands that it, that it places on me to do that. Um, and actually it was, as we looked at podcast feedback, like there's even a note that stands out to me from a guy who left a comment in the podcast and he was like, you know, I discovered the podcast, never hunted the backcountry. You know, you guys helped give me the confidence to try it. And now that I've done it here over the last few years, I think I've become a better person. Like he's like, my marriage is mm. better. I'm a better dad. I'm in physically better shape. I'm a healthier person. Um, I'm a stronger person, even mentally to face challenges. And like, this was all coming from him. But as I read that comment, I was like, man, I can totally relate to that in terms of throwing yourself into something and then realizing all of those demands and all the different ways that backcountry hunting places on you from like a year round perspective. So I think that's for me, one of the most important or valuable things I would say that I've realized over the years. Um, and so you can look at that from all all kinds of ways, but like, you know, break it down to hunting skills. For me, when I think of backcountry hunting, and maybe it's because I'm not an excellent hunter, but <laughs> for me, something that comes to mind is like, it's often you have this week for this hunt or these few days for this hunt that you've been looking forward to for the whole year, maybe. And it often, especially while bow hunting, comes down to these limited opportunities. And so the work it takes to create those opportunities and then the work it takes to capitalize on those opportunities and being ready to shoot and all that, like that's something I think about year round is that hunting skills and knowledge piece um, to be able to create opportunities and then capitalize when it matters, which that's probably forefront in my mind because I still have not perfected that by any means. I still struggle with that. And so that's something like I'm looking at year round. Um, it's just something that I need to grow in. What are some of the ways that you see backcountry hunting, Steve, and like those kind of year round demands, if you will? Yeah. I'm going to jump off topic for just one second. Cause as you were talking, I was thinking about this is, I think one thing that's appealing as you're like going through all the effort and demands that it takes, I think everything in um, backcountry hunting, you know, obviously I hate, almost hate using that term, but um, it, it's more intense. So when you, you have all this work and time and effort that goes into something and the highs are so much higher and the lows are so much lower than if you were on a casual hunt out of a trailer base camp, right? And you like hiked up the hill an hour in the morning and a great buck jumps out and you missed him. You're probably going to be like butthurt, 
But flip that around, like if this was a, a backcountry hunt that you, you know, you drew a tag in Colorado and you spent all your planning and working on it, you got in shape, you got prepared, you did your research, you're 10 miles back in there and that buck steps in front of you and you miss it, you're going to be like heartbroken. Um, and so I think that's one, one point to make. I, I guess maybe that's part of the appeal of it is everything's just like the emotions are much, much higher than on a, on an easy hunt. So, yeah. um, as far as, yeah, the demands, I just, um, I don't know when, I think this all started for me, I guess it was pretty simultaneous. I started backcountry hunting and I started mountain bike racing. Um, and I go back to that racing a lot when I talk about stuff because it truly, that's probably the one thing that changed me as a person was knowing how freaking hard I could push my body, um, just flat out torturing yourself for a three hour race, uh, and then coming outside of that, coming out the other side of that, at the end of the race, how freaking good I felt. Um, it really opened my eyes to what's possible. Um, and that probably sparked the death hike that, uh, you know, sparked like having the courage to, to jump out and start a backpack company and, you know, um, I think so. And then obviously the backcountry hunting, I was kind of getting into those two things simultaneously. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it just, you just grow as a person, right? You never grow when you're in your comfort zone. It's, it's when you try new challenging things, um, something that really, really tests you, you come out the other side of it and win or lose, uh, however you measure that you are like a better, stronger person. You're going to be tougher, um, and mainly mentally tough, right? Just so when other challenges come by in life, um, it's kind of like, ah, eh, no, no big deal. I got this. Yeah. Uh, this is going to suck. It's going to suck for, you know, uh, a day, a month, a year, but I'll come out of the other side of it. Like, uh, like my son with colic this year, like, oh uh, dude, right. like four months of pure hell. But the whole time, um, it's kind of like, you know what? Like it's, it's a short term. It's going to be over with the, the, um, the pain is worth the reward. Uh, and, uh, it's a funny analogy, but it's, it was pretty dang true with him. So, yeah. um, yeah. So I think it's just, it's all about, I don't know. Yeah. Pushing myself and, and growing and becoming a better person, uh, from it. And it's just, uh, that, that, that guy's note is spot on. You're just like a better, just a better person all around, man. Like better, better dad, better husband. Um, the more you challenge yourself, uh, everything else becomes easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, it's interesting. I don't know if anything comes to mind to, for you, Steve, of like specific, specific examples of things that have happened during a hunt that translate into real life. But even one that I think of from this year, from Alaska, um, our first trip to Alaska in September, there's a whole bunch of points I could pick out, but even at the very, very end of the trip, and this might sound trivial now, but you know, we were there for six days, had been dropped off by the float plane, highs and lows over those six days, of course. Um, and then the hunt's over and it's the last day, not even a hunting day, just the day we're supposed to get picked up. And, you know, we pack up camp, pack up all of our gear, you know, like we're sitting, literally sitting there waiting for the plane to show up. And we had in reach with them previously and they were planning on coming to pick us up. And everybody was actually, we had one shelter left, like just in case, just literally everything's packed up at just one shelter and I happen to be the only one sitting in it. I think I was in there reading on my phone actually. And everybody else was kind of outside hanging out. And, uh, I think it was 
Jason that came in and was like, mm-hmm. they're not picking us up. And I thought he was totally joking. I'm like, ha, ha funny. And he was like, no, really, they're not picking us up. And like at that point in time, I had already stopped. Like I had turned my head off. Like we're going home. My tag is filled. A whole bunch of other tags are filled. This was a great week. This is fantastic. But like, I'm ready for a cheeseburger and a bed. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, no, like, no, they have to come pick us up. Like I'm ready. This was great. If I'm ready to get out of here. And so just like that little, that's like a little example of a time that I go back to since then. And like, there's just certain things are out of your control, like deal with it. And you can throw a fit about it. You could whine about it. You could whatever. No, that's going to help. Like the plane's not coming. Like you're here for another day. And so like just little (laughs) examples of stuff like that, it truly changes my perspective now when certain things happen and I'm like, you know, I'll pause. Like maybe this is something I can change. Maybe it's something I can control, but maybe I have zero control over this. And you know, bitching's not going to help. Like whining's not going to help. It is what it is. Deal with it. Move on. And so that's a, again, just like a small example of something very concretely that happened because of hunting, because of a, a quote unquote backcountry hunt that in everyday life, it changes my perspective in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse than not. I, I actually hate those hunts where you're stuck and you are like, cause I'm always willing to work hard. Um, so if it, you know, something bad happens, it's like, all right, dig in deep and freaking get after it, you know? Um, uh, and <laughs> like in a scenario like that, you're just like, you truly are stuck and there's nothing you can do. And that's where having a positive attitude is pays dividends, you know, instead of getting beat up and down on yourself, like being able to flip around and be like, all right, I guess we're stuck here. Let's, let's go out and hunt. Uh, let's let's make the best of this opportunity that was just given to us, even if it's not what we were expecting. Yeah, there's just there's so much you could relate to for sure. Yeah the the physical side, I know for some guys it's probably overplayed. For some guys it's probably underestimated. People are all over the map with how they physically prepare to hunt and what kind of importance they put on physical preparation for hunting. But I think at the very end of the day, if you're specifically talking about backcountry hunting, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete or run a marathon or anything like that. But I think physical capability creates more hunting possibility. I mean, the more physically capable you are, the more opportunity you can create, the more possible country you could hunt, things like that. Um, and so there's no right or wrong answer there, but how do you see that in terms of do do you think for you Steve or just for most guys that if they weren't a backcountry hunter or didn't pursue that they would be a different person from a like physical and health perspective um yeah it's absolutely a motivator uh it's hard in january uh, I'm definitely the procrastinator type, so it's hard in January to look at September and go, um, you know, that's that's a long ways away. Um, I, I, you know, I could slack off until June or July and then get in shape the last six weeks. Um, so that's why I always pick um, pick activities like in in spring and summer that make basically keep me in check. You know, we've always done the death hike in the summer. We're actually moving it to March this year. So it's like, we're all, we all better get after it and get ready for that. Cause it's going to be brutal. Um, and so yeah, I, I, I have to pick something 
because I, I, I think it's super important to identify the type of person that you are. Um, Mark, I think you're uh, an excellent planner, excellent at kind of uh, allocating time and, and, you know, being way in, in front of stuff. Uh, I'm the complete opposite. I'm, you know, I, I'm not uh, by no means a lazy person, but if I don't have to do something um, to me, there's like a deadline of like, okay, I need to start this now um, so that I'm ready for it. And to me, that would be like in my head, uh, July, like, okay, I better start shooting and, and getting in shape in July. So I, I have to pick something that's three months in front of me right now to motivate me today. Um, as far as hunting in general, you cannot be in too good of shape. Uh, the better, the more in shape you are, the more you're going to enjoy it. Um, I, you know, there's, I don't think like, I know a lot of guys that aren't quote unquote in great shape that freaking hunt hard and get after it and are extremely successful. Uh, so I don't think it necessarily, um, being in shape isn't going to make you more successful. I mean, it, it definitely helps. I think it's like a make or break deal, but I can just say, especially from personal experience that you can't be in too good of shape. Like the better the shape you are, the more you're going to enjoy it, the more you're going to be willing to go over that, that next ridge. Um, and, and I guess that's where, and sometimes it could be a hindrance, like usually in hunting, being patient and slow is your better, you know, your better bet. Um, so if you have, if you're, if you're feeling fat and out of shape and you sit there, uh, it's probably sometimes a better deal for like an animal stepping out in front of you than being super in shape, being like, I'm not seeing anything. I'm going to run over this next mountain. But in general, I think, you know, just taking everything else out of the equation, just being in shape, you're just going to enjoy it by, by day two, three, four, five, uh, you're less sore. It's easier to jump out of bed in the morning. Um, and so if that's your, you know, if it's January and you're like, man, I'm, you know, you're in the Midwest, you know, I'm coming out on elk hunt in September. I'm going to get in shape now. Great. Um, if, if you're like me, uh, pick, pick a race, do a run, do a bike race, do something, you know, do your own mini death hike with some buddies in, in March or April to get you motivated now. And, um, yeah, again, just, I was just talking about this with my wife yesterday. I definitely, you know, having kids just, it's so much harder to find time to work out and, it's not like it used to be, and I've definitely been slowly creeping towards more of a dad bod than I used to have, and that's probably my biggest resolution for 2020 is just get back into to really, really good shape. Um, but it, it's, you know, when you're in shape, you're just, you're just, I don't know, you're just better. You got yeah. more energy, um, better outlook on everything. It's, it's, there is no downside to it. I'll put it that way. Right. Yeah, for sure. The, um, Another point that if you talk about backcountry hunting versus some of the other types of hunting is the, I think, necessity on gear. And gears, again, I think, uh, honestly, a lot like the physical training side. Some guys overplay it. Some guys underestimate the importance of it. Um, some guys, you know, maybe focus too much on training or gear than they do on hunting skill like there's there's all kinds of um ways that guys approach this and look at it but there's there's just no getting away around just like some physical capability is going to be crucial to success and enjoyment the same can be said of gear and the demands that gear have for backcountry hunting that are different than other hunts um you know we've talked at length about gear in a lot of ways uh and again, I think it's, I don't know if like the gear junkie in me enjoys that. And then there's another side of me that hates that 
gear gets equated with the pursuit in a way that you have to have the best everything to go on a backcountry hunt. Cause that's just not true. Um, you might be more comfortable with better gear. You might have a lighter pack with better gear. There are certain ways that gear can make or break a trip or a hunt for sure. Um, and then there's other ways where it's like, you know, don't let gear stop you. Like guys were doing stuff way before we had the good gear we have now and getting it done and just getting after it regardless of the gear. So just, I'm just curious, Steve, like where are you at with how you like from a high level, like, Obviously, yeah, you're I think, for being a lightweight guy, but like, what's your perspective on gear for backcountry hunting? I think very much mirrors what you just said. Don't don't ever let it stop you. I think there's we've talked about it on podcast episodes before. There's certain gear that just flat out, you know, sleeping bags, pads, uh, in a lot of cases, tents um, that just don't like. More expensive just means a little bit lighter, but it doesn't mean better. Um, often tell you, oftentimes, like a sleeping pad, a cheaper one, it might be a little bit heavier, but it's actually more comfortable. So um, I think, you know, I definitely don't let it bother you. I just think, like you said, at some point it does matter um, where you draw that line. I don't know. Um, I always just draw the line on, like, contact with your body. Uh, so foot, clothes, pack, um, everything else to me can be like a little bit heavier or not as nice and maybe it's not as critical, you know, and I think you evaluate the hunt. Like if you're going up to the Brooks range in Alaska, you're not going to take a cheap tent. Right. But if you're just coming out to Idaho in September, you could literally go to Walmart and buy a freaking tent and be totally fine with that. Uh, it's not like you're going to experience 60 mile an hour winds and four days of downpour. Um, so I think you just got to evaluate that. And to me, I said, just pick the, the points of uh, area that contact your body for comfort for you. Cause that's at the end of the day, like if your feet are killing you, if your pack is digging into you and bruising you and you got, you know, uh, just getting tore up by it. Uh, if your clothes are cheap, kind of maybe cottony things that once they get wet, they're just soaking wet all day long and you're cold and miserable. Those are the things that like get into your head and that are really hard to overcome, and then you want to you want to get out, get back to the truck, and go get a burger and get dry. Um, so I, those are the areas I'd focus on, and you know how far in depth you go there. That's you know that's everyone's personal choice, um, but it, and it's fun. I'd say you know this time of year is I'm like a super gear nerd because um, it's not you know hunting so far away, and and I start researching new products start coming out in January, and it's fun to to fun to look around and see what's coming and. And, you know, I go through my checklist of, um, my gear list and identify items that, um, either if I see something new, like, Hey, let me, maybe I might replace that with this or areas of something that didn't quite like the last year. Let me go look and see what else is out there. So, um, like just, just recently I wasn't super happy with my, uh, scope on the gun last year. So I started playing, uh, doing research and seeing what other options are out there and, and might replace that here in the next few months. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I just want to say we actually texted about the scope the other day. I just want to document it because I already t- told you this, Steve, <laughs> and tell thousands of listeners. I have written proof that Steve Speck said something was too light. I just want to put that out there because if you guys have any history <laughs> with the podcast or know Steve at all, um, I was still surprised that I saw that in writing. Yeah. So I have proof and we'll actually talk about 
why something was too light and the downsides of that in the future. That'd be a good Monday minute, but yeah, perfect. yeah. Just wanted to make sure that thousands of other people were <laughs> that that actually happened. Um, uh, a last, like a last talking point, a last category I wanted to hit specific, specific to backcountry hunting. And I, I didn't know what to call this other than, uh, like the quote unquote spiritual side of it, but you know, we talked about physical stuff, mental stuff, gear, hunting skills, knowledge, that type of thing. But like to me, there's this aspect of of backcountry hunting that when you remove yourself away from everyday life, when you remove yourself into a remote location and you experience um, things at a deeper level, more connected to nature, not trying to get like to yoga, granola, anything here. But to me, there's a spiritual side of that. Um, for hunting just in terms of solitude or, you know, feeling small and really big country or just that step away to like have the mental break to, I think, get a fresh new perspective. Um, and then I can think of even certain moments, like there's been certain times where I've been sitting in a certain spot and just have, you know, life kind of hit you, if you will, or Steve thinking of like the time we were under the, um, Northern lights in Alaska this fall. Like to mm. me, there's these special moments that I don't know how to categorize them other than spiritual. And that's an aspect that um, I get in a unique way with being in the back country. Um, how do you, how do you categorize that? Like, what do you, are there moments or stories or how do you look at that? Yeah. I mean, I, um, yeah, not uh, same as you, man. It, it's, there's, um, it's, Going back to what I said earlier, like backcountry hunting, everything's magnified. That that aspect is entirely magnified for me, especially um, on a solo hunt. I think I get a lot more of that because you are alone and you're kind of forced to like get in and out of your head and and you know like you're just you have so much time to think that um, it's everything just yeah on that side of it is there's just moments where it's like holy crap this is this is absolutely amazing um, again like the last few years definitely have, have brought that into perspective of just like taking the time to appreciate it. Like just say like, Holy crap, how lucky am I to be here? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, this is, this is an unbelievable experience that very few people get to experience. Um, and I'm out here doing this and, um, yeah, that I don't know how to categorize it. It's, it's something special though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, it gives me, gratitude or thankfulness for that moment and where I'm at and what I'm experiencing. But in many ways, the disconnection from my everyday life can also give me a better perspective to not take that for granted either. Right. Like Uh, I could be away from my wife for a week and see in a whole new way, like how valuable that relationship is. Or you could say the same for your kids. You could say the same for whatever, right? Like that step away from what has become normal or what is maybe you know you take for granted if you will like the the opportunity to step away from that and be on a backcountry hunt and have a clear head can even give you better perspective on that everyday life so to me that's that's another thing that when it comes to like why backcountry like that's another reason that um for me it's just a super super viable pursuit so yeah it's legitimately you know reaching on the back of your internet router and hitting reset like <laughs> yeah it was just freaking uh, you go out there and whether it's 24 hours or a week, um, you just come back, uh, refreshed and, and ready to tackle on new challenges in daily life. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think it's a good way to wrap it, Steve. Um, 
thanks for the time and thoughts and listeners uh as always thanks for tuning in hopefully that was uh helpful and encouraging and got you guys excited about 2020 and what what pursuits you can go on what hunts you can have um and again even outside of hunting we kind of mentioned a passing like Maybe that's March, April, like maybe make your own death hike, do your own thing. Um, there's just different ways to experience a lot of what we just discussed and get after it, make it happen. One thing uh, we did want to mention before we close is we did this surprise giveaway with the K3 packs. And if you guys receive our emails, hopefully you saw it. But on Christmas Eve, we sent out an email to everybody and it said, hey, basically go look inside of your K3 pack system, the lumbar insert. And this goes back to uh, like July, August, Steve. We snuck some stickers in there and they basically said, you know, like first place prize or second place prize, that type of thing. And there's five of them total um, that were then shipped in K3 packs. We don't know when they were shipped, where they were shipped, to who. We don't even know what colors they ended up in. It was the way it worked out. It was just totally random. So some of those prizes have been claimed, only two out of the five, though. So there should be three more prizes um, out there inside of K3 pack systems in the lumbar insert. So you can basically detach the lumbar pad. There's a little Velcro tab. Flip that back from the frame. And then the actual shim or insert that's in there. Open that up if you haven't already and see if you have a sticker from us. It's going to be signed by you and I, uh, Steve. And if you have that send us an email with a photo and there's prizes waiting to be yours. So it's pretty funny that <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause we have no idea like where they're at. Like, I, I don't know, uh, who, yeah, I know. You know. There's three of them out there. I don't know like who to tell like, other than everybody uh, yeah. to go look. We, we put them on those lumber inserts and just threw them back in a box of like a couple thousand of them. So they're yeah. floating around out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we have I mean, no they, idea. They could have yeah. been shipped in August. They could have been shipped in October. I have no idea. So yeah. if you have a K3 pack and haven't looked yet, make sure you go look. All right. Well, that's wrap for this week, guys. As always, if you want to contact us, send us an email to podcast at xmountgear.com. Otherwise, make sure you've hit that subscribe button to receive future episodes. And we'll talk to you next week.